Bring It On is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. Good evening. I'm William Hosea. Welcome to Bring It On, a multiple award-winning radio broadcast now in our 18th year as Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting our African-American community. And good evening, I'm Clarence Boone. Overall, the national midterms have been uh, proven to be very favorable for the Democrats. Uh, The feared red wave never materialized. And as of this broadcast, the Democrats have retained control of the Senate with key wins in, in Pennsylvania, Arizona, and Nevada. Furthermore, an anticipated runoff in Georgia will not be the decisive race needed to have a majority, but could serve to add a plus one majority to aid and ensure the success of the Democratic agenda for the next two years. We'll recap the national landscape in a special upcoming Bring It On broadcast. But for tonight, we turn our attention to several local midterm outcomes of interest for African-Americans. First, we're pleased to report that both Nicole Brown, incumbent Monroe County Circuit Court Clerk, and Jennifer Crossley, former chairwoman of the Monroe County Democratic Party, and candidate for Monroe County District 4 council member are both winners in their respective races. Another historic first occurred when Ruben Marte was voted in as the first Monroe County Sheriff of Color. We are pleased to have our three elected officials join us for a recap of their respective races. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Bring It On. Thank you. Thank you. We are Wow, we are really just kind of a glow before we started broadcasting. We were talking, uh, we were talking about some of the calls that have been made as of late and as of this broadcast, as we said, Nevada's been called, Arizona's been called, and so we're feeling pretty comfortable, especially in the Senate. The House is still <laughs> to be determined, um, but it's still possible. Uh, Democrats may um, throw that Hail Mary and and remain and retain control of the house. But we want to turn our attention to local races, as we said. And uh, Nicole, so congratulations to you. Um, Thank you. Thank you so much. And Ruben, hey, you know, congratulations to you. And uh, Jennifer, congratulations to you as well. Nicole, ladies first, let's let's start with you. What's it feel like? Well, first, (laughs) Thank you for having me this evening. Second, I think every day is a good day to be a Democrat, but thank you for um, sharing the news uh, about the Senate. And I think it's a great day to be a Democrat. Uh, I am one of those people who is an incredible uh, Ruben Marte fan. So I so look forward to seeing him being sworn in as our newly elected sheriff and I've always been proud to be a resident of Monroe County, but this is beyond my imagination phenomenal. Well, I remember years ago, if I'm not mistaken, you were a deputy sheriff in Monroe County. No, me? No. Yeah, you weren't. I was an employee at the sheriff's office. Ah, okay. That's what it was. Um, But could you have ever imagined 
that one day you'd be seated where you are now and that Ruben would, would be seated where he is now? Oh, no. And that's the kind of question that would make me cry. Uh, who, who would ever imagine a kid from Gary, Indiana, born to a single mom? <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> born to a single mom. Um, I, I had really small dreams for myself. Uh, so this was never anything I anticipated or imagined. Uh, but to be in a position to serve and to serve along incredible people like Jennifer and Mr. Rubin, it's 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 amazing. Well, our our hearts are are very proud for everyone, and uh, we're sitting up straighter now. And um, uh, tell us what were some of the challenges you, you experienced in in this race. Now, uh, let the listeners know you pretty much it was it was much anticipated that you would be triumphant. Um, but tell us about some of the challenges that that you did experience there. Are you asking me? Oh, yes, sorry. Sorry. You know, um, it's always a challenge to do the job and run for the job. Um, I was incredibly, incredibly fortunate um, this election season to be running unopposed. So I really tried to um, help the people that I knew who were running uh, so I could mm -hmm. quietly donate to their campaigns and um support their efforts and the space that might have been allotted for me. I very much made it every effort I could to turn that spotlight on them so right. that they could get so that they could win their races. And I, I think that that worked. Uh, reflect back on your first uh, uh, term in your role. I mean, you're an incumbent, but tell us what that felt like to now enter into your second term. It's an incredible feeling. You don't do any of this by yourself. I'm surrounded by amazing people. Um, my first term, of course, you're learning so much and the learning curve is so steep. Uh, I, I can breathe a little easier now, but I'm a little busier now because once you get some experience, you're asked to serve in a lot of capacity. So um, I keep busy with the legislative committee. I've just been appointed as vice president of the clerks association. And then there's that day job I have. So um, I look forward to my second term, just figuring all of it out and uh, setting the setting the table for the next clerk. All right. Well, Nicole, those are some uh, pretty impressive accomplishments, but one way for you to gauge that you've reached the official force to be reckoned with status is that you ran unopposed. They, I mean, the Republican party didn't want to put anyone up against you for obvious reasons, because you're a force to be reckoned with. So well, thank you. I just want to say congratulations to you. And uh, I also want to uh, ask you to reflect on what came to be known as a real fear among Democrats uh, about vote counting across the country. That you're responsible for the vote in Monroe County. But um, I, I guess none of those issues uh, really came to be in Monroe County. But what are your thoughts about some of the other places, uh, locations across the country where that was a real threat? Even though for the most part, it really didn't materialize, but it, it was a credible threat. It was. Um, it's incredibly fortunate that you have um, an echo chamber of people who are um, 
promoting the idea of voter fraud and and making it difficult for clerks and election elected officials who oversee elections to do their jobs. Um, and I certainly watch all of that. Uh, and as chair of the legislative committee, make sure that I am advocating for things to be easier and for there to be common sense surrounding overseeing elections. Uh, in Monroe County, again, I'm lucky to have a phenomenal team. Uh, the 91 other clerks that I call my clerk siblings, we all work together and support one another. And I think that that's what makes it a little bit easier here in Indiana. Um, but it, it, the promotion that there's widespread voter fraud just makes it a lot more difficult to do the jobs that we have to do and just kind of makes me sad. You know, it seemed like um, around the country, people doubled down in a lot of cases to fix things that weren't broken. <laughs> but Agreed. At least give the illusion that we're on top of, we're staying ahead of, we're, we're being proactive. And even to the extent that some of the citizenry felt they should sit out and pick up trucks with long guns and bulletproof vests and with their faces covered to ensure that people can get out of their car and deposit a ballot into a box. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? One of the things um, in my role as legislative chair is that we are looking to um, strengthen and enhance or penalties for people who do things like that. That if you are harassing, intimidating, um, threatening to commit violence against someone who is working to participate in a free and fair election, that you should pay a penalty for that. It's, it's gone to the ridiculous at this point. Um, following people to their cars, learning where they live, harassing their families, threatening harm. It's, it's just beyond the pale at this point. And I so hope that we can follow the federal trend um, of strengthening those penalties so that right. people are not even tempted to participate in that foolishness. We're, and one last follow-up to that. Um, did you have special training for your workers uh, as far as what to maybe anticipate, what to do if something materializes? Um, just going forward, did you have that special training? Well, every poll worker in Monroe County, of course, goes through training based upon the job that they do. I was very fortunate to have our veteran inspectors and the inspectors are in charge at each polling site. And so they are very familiar with what to do should something happen. And we are incredibly fortunate in Monroe County, uh, even more fortunate now with Sheriff Marte, um, that we have the support of local law enforcement that if we call for any reason, they will be there, they will support us, and we will not have that here. Thank you. William? Ruben, how's it going? You're muted. I'm back. Okay. Yes, All right. Well, congratulations, first and foremost. And uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, during the campaign, you were really kind of uh, restricted in, in some of the things that you could talk about with respect to the sheriff's department, you know, just, just out of respect for the sitting sheriff. Uh, plus, you know, it's probably not a wise thing to put everything out there on the table uh, prematurely. But what are you free to talk about now as far as some of the uh, policies that you would like to implement, maybe some of the specific training programs, uh, any shakeups you might want to 
take a look at? Well, it, not, not any shakeup. What, what I like to do is to get the lay of the land and, and see what we can start improving and go from there. Uh, I, I do know that that sometimes rumor gets spread around and, you know, uh, people get nervous. But, you know, that's just us being human. Uh, however, um, we always have room for improvement. So uh, my game plan is just to get in there, surround myself with people that I know, uh, are, uh, people that are forward thinkers, uh, think outside the box, and then improve on what we can improve. And, you know, one of the major issues right now, as everyone knows, is the new jail. That that That's the major under, uh, undertaking. And uh, um, uh, at this point, I, my biggest challenge is to uh, work with what I have because, you know, you can't turn a ship around that quick. You know, it takes time. So, again, uh, I, I have to get in there and see what I have to face, deal with, and, you know, and, and, and tackle it day by day. So that's the game plan for now. But before I continue, I wanted to thank, thank uh, Bring It On for having me on the, on the radio show. I, I uh, It's been a minute since I've been on, and uh, I can remember <laughs> several years ago when I first met the team, you know, and, and here I am. It's kind of it's kind of uh, uh, a good feeling, you know, to come back home, particularly when we first met in the beginning, you know. So I feel very comfortable and very humble that uh, uh, bring me back on the show. So thank you both. Well, thank you. Um, when we first, I guess when we first met, it, it was um, uh, to talk about some workshops that you were planning for the city. Yes. And well, this was back in the time when nationally there was a lot of concern. It still is. Um, there was a lot of concern about just um, uh, both police stops, uh, police engagement, police action, police action shootings and uh, holding individuals accountable, not necessarily saying that uh, conviction, but holding people accountable uh, when things went totally south. And uh, it was, it was, those were delicate days and it was not easy. And I have to say that you contributed in those conversations when frankly, I think a lot of people would have avoided them. Uh, and as a state uh, police captain, you came on as a trainer at the time and talked about the steps state state law enforcement will take state patrolmen take to make sure uh, that they stay safe the public stays safe and that everyone comes home um, safely but um, given all that we're we're just really proud to have met you back then and to have had those conversations and uh, Nicole you know you spoke about working with Ruben in the future uh, can you perhaps share how that might look as you and Ruben sort of work together uh, to keep Monroe County safe in, in a lot of ways? Well, I'll, I'll leave the uh, law enforcement details to share <laughs> Marte. Um, what I've tried to make clear to him as he was running and certainly more so now that he has been elected is that my office stands ready to support him um, with whatever uh, his office needs um, to make every Monroe County resident, visitor to the community, um, anyone who has interactions with either of, either of our offices, that he has my full support and cooperation. And um, I 
am just excited to see all that he is going to do to bring no. about change. I think we talked about this before, Nicole, when you were on, but uh, there are steps taken when a person is uh, either cited or arrested or whatever. Um, and a lot of that goes through your office. Can it you does. Us, um, you know, say if if Clarence Boone, you know, the first law-abiding citizen, but if Clarence Boone <laughs> <laughs> for some reason gets detained and gets handed a citation, what might, what might I expect from your office? Uh, a friendly call or, a, hey, you better be here on this day. Well, what's going to happen to me? Well, the clerk's office is the first point of contact for anybody who wishes to access the justice system in Monroe County. We are the front door. Um, we could not do that without the cooperation of law enforcement agencies getting the information to us that we need to prepare um, working with the prosecutors, working with the courts to make sure that you get that day in court. Um, and I certainly would encourage citizen clearance to be at any court date because that is the way that you protect your own interest. Well, I, um, I as heard and uh, I will, uh, I would always adhere to any notice or friendly, friendly letter that I received from your office, but <laughs> Uh, what are you seeing as far as um, repetitive type of things that cause concern with you? Um, sadly, and I've said this a couple of times uh, publicly, um, sadly, we have more people who are presenting with mental health issues when they report to the clerk's office. Um, that is difficult because my staff is not trained um, they, they, they are not trained in mental health issues, social services issues. And um, I hope that we can work to change that. Yeah, it's, uh, there are patterns and trends in different counties um, throughout Indiana, throughout the nation. But uh, there was, I think, oh, about five years ago now in Scott County. Um, and, I, and I say Scott County because I think they've done a lot to, to change things and turn things around. But uh, there was an opioid breakout crisis that was just going through the roof. And it mirrored a lot of emerging trends in different counties. Um, but Monroe County, um, in particular, those that may be um, mental health as well as homeless, do you see some trends that cause alarm? Or do you see perhaps an improvement in some trends? Um, I certainly, I certainly think uh, we continue to address challenges with um, the opioid crisis and, and people who need access to the court system. Many times we do have uh, patrons who are homeless um, that couldn't pose a problem in terms of service, service of your papers for the courts and things like that. Uh, we have agencies that we can work with and we certainly want everybody who accesses the clerk's office to know that we want them to get what they need to work directly with the courts and every opportunity to educate my staff and present them with tools i'm always happy to take advantage of and implement right right um and and i, I want to pick up again with um uh with ruben um as, as I had said earlier, when we first met, you were doing a lot of these workshops that were very beneficial. Uh, one in particular, 
comes to mind is how to survive a pullover. Uh, you know, both the emotional psyche and, and, the, and the psychology of being stopped by law enforcement. And that went over really well with our listeners. And then also those workshops were very, very helpful. And from then we've always stayed in touch with you whenever there were national incidents or whatever. And you've always been fair and balanced. That's the one thing that William and I know, I know William and I can, can attest to. Those were hard conversations because there, was, there were visceral reactions from people, but yet you, you remained cool, calm, and collective and said, okay, everyone, but there are a couple sides here. And the use of body cams to uh, dashboard cams to how much video footage are we really looking at versus what do we have to try to read into. And, and, I, and I have to admit that you kept us uh, thinking open and thinking long range about what potentially is going on and what we're seeing. You know, little video clip, video vignettes are not the full story. But taking that training from the state police and now bringing that over to uh, the sheriff's department, some of that training do you, are, or do you plan to employ here at uh, the Monroe County uh, Sheriff's Department? Absolutely. <clears throat> that, that is one of the things that I'm looking forward to doing. Um, because I think uh, um, the, the more... Recording your progress. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hold on a second. I love live radio. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry about this. Oh, let's see here. Okay. There you go. There you go. Um, yes, definitely plan to do that. Uh, I, I think that, the, that more people are educated. They do better if you know better. And uh, uh, time has proven. I've been doing this now for probably about eight years now. Uh, when we first met, I was doing it locally and only for our state troopers. It has grown so much that I could tell you we're in the tens of thousands of officers that have been trained in Indiana. And uh, the first black superintendent for Ohio Ohio Patrol, we got to meet. And uh, through him, he invited us to provide the training to uh, his new troopers coming on board in Ohio. So it's very successful. Uh, it's passed the test of time. We are invited to come back and teach other academies, for example, IU Police Academy, uh, our academy, Ohio High Patrol Academy. Uh, so it's it's been very well. So your answer, yes, I plan to provide that to Monroe County Sheriff Department um, and implement uh, uh, other type of trainings that I think will better all of us. You know, um, because there's always always room for growth, in my opinion. Um, the way I was trained in the state police is, you know, you always got to be thinking forward. And, and uh, if you do that, you instead of you, you, you always have people around you that think the same way and then like the department and, and help protect the citizens of the state of Indiana a whole lot more as well. Ruben, I know that uh, you, you get sworn in in January, right? Yes. So when do you actually sit down with the uh, current sheriff and start mm -hmm. to get the lay of the land? Uh, Brad has been good. I mean, uh, if I have questions, I, I call him up. Uh, we talk in person. Um, I'm at the present time. I'm I am a, uh, a merit board member, so we meet on, uh, and talk about different things. So 
Uh, I'm not waiting. We're 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 moving forward. Um, the only difference is that I take the oath and get sworn in as as the sheriff uh, first of the year. So, but at the meantime, we're we're preparing. So um, there is no <laughs> there's no rest time right now. Everything is moving really quick. So, uh, but we'll 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 be fine. Yeah, so I know you said that um, the new jail is uh, a really uh, important issue right now, but with <clears> regard to public safety or, or protecting the public, what's what part of that is high on the priority list? Um, well, with, with, with the training comes the betterment of how to deal with people, how to de-escalate certain things, you know, how to see things a little from a different point of view. Uh, I, I, I've met some of the deputies and the officers, not only when I worked the road, but you know, where we spend time exercising together, things of that nature. They're good people. I mean, they have very kind hearts to do people, they help people. And uh, my job will be just to give them all the tools that they need to do their job appropriately and properly and protect everyone uh, equally. Uh, and I, I, I trust that we're just gonna build on that tradition and, and uh, uh, better ourselves. Because I, I, I too constantly have to learn uh, new techniques as well. Um, if I could follow up, William, you said that you see them working out and this and the other, and I know the working out is, is probably a means to reduce stress. And I know that there is stress both in the state police, uh, local Bloomington Police Department, law enforcement, and the Sheriff's Department. You know, and it comes in many different ways, but how do you plan to assist your officers in keeping the stress levels at a certain height? Uh, or to reduce stress levels on the workplace. You know, one of the things that I that that I would like to do is increase the actual workforce there and, and make it more diversified. You know, um, if a person is working tremendous hours, which they are because they're just uh, short of staff, that within itself creates a lot of stress, not only for that officer but for that deputy, for but for the family as well. That's a ripple effect. So. We really desperately need to uh, uh, have more people, particularly women as well, uh, attract them to join the sheriff department. Um, it, it's 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 a career that that is rewarding, and obviously, not everyone could do this. However, um, that's one stressor that would help tremendously if we could have more people. Uh, apply and make it through the academy and, and hopefully then join the, the deputies that are in the field at the present time because the numbers are low and, and it is what it is and we've got to work with that, uh, but we have to improve those numbers as well. I, uh, I saw somewhere where across the board salaries are increasing when people sign up um, to join these law enforcement agencies in the Bloomington Police Department state police and then Monroe County sheriffs. It just seems as if every effort's been made to sort of um, close that gap and earning income for someone who's, who's just now entering law enforcement. Uh, is that something that uh, you foresee will continue? I guess I'm not trying to ask you to look into the crystal ball and say, yes, pay raises are coming next year. But a lot of that is, is sometimes not even in, in your re respective hands, but um, what do you tend to do to, to attract more potential um, 
patrolmen or or deputies to this uh, to this work? Well, <clears throat> the, the the pay matrix is important is very important because not only now uh, we could lo- lose more people to other departments if we do not adequately uh, pay them. Um, but again, it affects the family. You, you have to have a decent living so you can protect your family, right. provide for your family. And, you know, if, if, if another agency could pay you more, well, why wouldn't you go? I mean, it's for you and your family. So um, my, my, my hopes would be that on my end, I'm going to do my very best to provide the very best training that they can receive and best education that they could receive to better the service they could provide to the citizens of rural county. That being said, I, I, I need, I would definitely need help in providing them with the financial support as well. That's crucial. That, that, that is crucial because the sheriff department is unique. And if, if you start losing people, uh, deputies and correctional officers at the same time, then that affects, it's a ripple effect that affects everyone because the jail has to be, has to be staffed. It's just no way around that. You've got to have it. And if you're very low on the jail side, that means now you're pulling people from the deputy side to come in and help offset the numbers. Then when you do that, you're reducing the numbers of deputies that protect and serve the citizens of Monroe County. So that's very crucial that we stay on top of that and, and be forward thinking um, because we do not want that to happen because there are other agencies that that literally would have to uh, take away the, the, the daytime patrol officers so they could make uh, have the staffing for the jail. You know, I mean, that's, that's happened before in other states. We don't want that happening here uh, based on the issue for salary, you know. Um, so that is, is on my mind uh, and thinking outside the box. How do we do that? How do we attract more people to join us, not to leave us, but to join us? You know, because it's a it's a it's a it's a uh, situation where, again, I fully understand you, you have to provide for your family. I mean, that's, right. that's number one. And if you can't do that, then you're, you're really not your head is not in, in the actual place where it should be to do the very best that you can at your job. Right. And hey, Ruben, correct me on this issue, please. Um, the training and the, uh, the salary kind of go hand in hand because if you provide all this training and then these guys leave and go somewhere else because of a low salary, then you're training them for another department and you got to spend that money all over again. You're spot on. You are spot on. Exactly right. Because what happens is after we provide the training, and when I mean training, obviously the academy, but we, we, we plan to provide additional training uh, to the ones that want to move up the ranks as well, you know. And once we provide that, you're right, it's a lose-lose because if another agency uh, pays them more, they don't have to provide that training anymore because we already did. So they get to reap the benefits of what we just did on our end. You know, so, but you're right. That is, that is, that is actually spot on. That's why my wife won't divorce me. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to say that. that, That's why she won't make you go out and be a sheriff deputy or something. (laughs) So I had the privilege and honor of tuning in to Indiana's greatest uh, Black Public Affairs show. And I say that. (laughs) Uh, 
the voice you just heard was William Hosea from a distance. Uh, you know, when you move out of town, Ruben, you know, the weather and all that affects your mind sometimes. You know. The warm weather, huh? Yeah, the warm weather. And we just had snow and ice the other the first first snow snow of the year. And that, that kind of makes you kind of somewhat hibernate a little bit. But yeah. uh, William is, is really feeling good today. Yeah, he's wearing um, shirt sleeve shirts. Yeah, <laughs> got the suntan going on, on, you know. <laughs> But the William is broadcasting or, or can, uh, joining us from South Carolina, <laughs> and uh, he's a longtime producer uh, and, and, and co-host here with Bring It On, and we're so glad to have him today. So he's joining us. And then we have that, that, uh, that laughing voice there that you just heard is, is your new sheriff. So we're glad to have Ruben Marte. And then the lady who spoke uh, a little while ago is uh, Nicole Brown. She joins us, uh, uh, successful off of, off of her second uh, uh, run for her position. And uh, Ruben has, uh, of course, made history as the first um, uh, black uh, sheriff here in Monroe County. And we had thought that we would have Jennifer Crossley with us, but unfortunately, some technical difficulties and some other things have prevented her from joining us. However, that all simply means we have to have her on again. So we'll do that. But uh, uh, we're both really happy to, to have this conversation with both uh, Nicole and, and Ruben. Ruben and Nicole, I, I would imagine that your philosophy towards management, which is a totally different, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to, to do the hiring, there's another thing to do the training, but then you have to manage things. Now, is it your philosophy, both of you, some rely heavily on a chain of command before they get to speak to you? And, and I've worked in those settings where you first go to the immediate, then the next up, and then the next up before you even talk to the one who is the administrator over everything. And that's fine. That's fine. What is your approach to, to approach to things, uh, Nicole? Do you have like this open door policy where anybody could just walk in? You said earlier that you have all these clerks that work with you and it's a family type of thing. So someone brings food every day and someone brings whatever, you know, what's it like there in, in the clerk's office? You know, um, I do have an open door policy. Anyone can come and speak with me at any time if they are, um, if they are facing something that might um, hinder their ability to do their job, their issues become my issues. And one of the things that was started by my predecessor, but I've continued under my administration is I do not have a formal office. I sit out in the middle of the office at a desk, just like every other deputy clerk. I have to go to the copy machine, just like everybody else. Um, and so I am right there and available if you need me. Now, obviously, you know, there are times where I have to be away from the office for meetings and things, but overall, uh, I report to work every single work day and keep a timesheet just like they do. And I can hear sometimes in real time if there's something going on, if a call comes in, you need to go to your kid's school or something. So I feel very strongly about having that open door, tell me what's going on in real time, the expectation is you can count on me to support you doing what you need to do so that I get the best from you when you're in the office. Now, now using that approach, do you find yourself um, oftentimes in the thick of things, maybe, maybe really getting in the weeds a lot as opposed to being at the 20, 30,000 foot level, but are you drawn into things that uh, may take a lot of your time or, or does it work out fine or 
Most of the time it works out fine. Fortunately, okay. I have an incredible chief deputy. And so we okay. can tag team a lot um, to make sure that everything is addressed and, and we communicate every day so that even if I'm not there, I'm aware and made aware of what's mm -hmm. going on in the office. And, and Sheriff Marte, as, as you approach that day when, when you're sworn in, and and you know you're you're going to your office and and I imagine they have an office where you're not amongst <laughs> the other deputies. Um, I don't know, but they may uh, they may have you there. You're not with the trustees or anything, but but you're there. <laughs> you have your own office. Um, different different type setup, and we would anticipate that. But what what is your philosophy going to be? Do you want to, as Nicole has established, uh, an open door policy? Come talk to me, your sheriff, or uh, do you anticipate something different? It, it's a little bit different. Uh, we're we're a, we call it paramilitary organization, which you have rank structures, you know. Um, and another thing is we're twenty four seven, so there might be a time you cannot reach me, you know. And something's happening right there on the spot that a person of rank has to have the trust and and, and the training and, and the confidence that they don't need to check with me, you know. That I that I uh, actually uh, uh, trust that they would do what needs to be done, you know. Now, if, if something is a very major, you know, that uh, I, I need to be involved in, obviously they, they reach out to me anytime. Um, but as a paramilitary organization, you have, that's why you have that rank structure because uh, uh, everyone has a certain responsibility and everyone has a certain uh, trust level that uh, they will get the job done when it needs to get done because it's a 24 seven operation. I want to throw a question out to uh, both of you. Um, aside from uh, both of you working within the structure of Monroe County, where specifically do your responsibilities intersect? Do you know, you understand what I'm saying? What I'm asking? <clears throat> well, it's funny you ask that question because when I first met uh, uh, Nicole, uh, was when I first became a uh, Hispanic Latino Affairs Commissioner. And one of the issue was that some of the females uh, that were being battered uh, needed protective orders, but you fill out the application through the clerk's office. So when I first met Nicole, she was so nice to to allow us to translate some of that 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 verbiage into Spanish. And I can't tell you how much that helps so many people in the Spanish community because it made it easier for them to get that piece of paper read it for themselves, understand what, what they're asking of them, and then proceed from there. So uh, that's how we first started, you know, and, and that's how we mingled. Uh, I, I know Nicole asked a whole lot more than I can, but, but that's one of them for me that was personally for me. So the sheriff's office would be involved in protective orders? Well, if once it's ordered, yes. If we come okay. across, yes. So in other words, if, if, if someone has a protective order and that order is violated, any law enforcement officer could enforce that, that, that protective order. In other words, if that person doesn't stay away from them, you know, they are liable to be arrested, you know, by, by, for violating that court order. But it starts in Nicole's office. Well, so, and Nicole, it, Sheriff, sometimes it could start with you. Your law enforcement officers yeah. could respond to a call sure. of a domestic incident and refer the victim to the clerk's office to come and get an order of protection. And But yes, the sheriff does serve orders of protection on behalf of the clerk's office to ensure that the respondent um, understands that he's to stay away. Yes. Or she, or she. 
Yes. Is, is there another, <laughs> or she, is there another uh, area where let's say the sheriff might have to pick up the phone and call the uh, county clerk or vice versa? Hmm. Well, if, oh, my. If, what about my early example? Clarence gets a, uh, an interesting letter to come and appear before somebody, and I don't want to come. Well, Clarence is always in trouble, so that yeah, really does. Yeah, so, <laughs> well, so following that pattern, you know, Clarence doesn't show. Well, Nicole is concerned. What happened to Clarence? I hope he's okay. Citizen Clarence, one, one thing that I'll tell you that is a piece of trivia, but it's true, is that the clerk's name is on the warrant that is served by the sheriff's office. So you've got it coming at you. <laughs> Sheriff Marte's coming after you. The clerk's coming after you. And uh, I, I would just strongly encourage you to be proactive and go ahead and appear. Fair enough? Fair enough, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma <laughs> <laughs> well, that's Nicole. Uh, go ahead, Clarence. <laughs> no, I was going to say that's um, you know, it, it, we could laugh about that, but you know, there are times where bench warrants and and all that is is just you know uh, put into effect, and then yeah, someone has to go and. Uh, Find out how William's doing, you know, because you know, William missed that all important meeting. And we want to find out what's going on. But uh, yeah, make I a mean, junket to <laughs> make a junket to Myrtle be... Beach, right? Yeah, yeah. Hey, we'll, we'll we'll ride down and we'll find you. Um, <laughs> but but on on that note, you know, there's also coordination between county offices, but there is the city of Bloomington Police Department. Are there occasions, and I imagine there are, um, and this is maybe on the low end if it's a big weekend here in Bloomington homecoming, then I think all offices law enforcement wise are all rolling their sleeves up to go and make sure that things go about peacefully in the city. But on, on the day-to-day -day, uh, basis, what type of interface do you anticipate with the Bloomington police department? Well, uh, since we are the jail, uh, anytime they make an arrest, they bring them to the jail. That's the mm -hmm. first thing. Mm -hmm. However, you know, anytime there's an emergency that everyone all hands on deck, you know, uh, it, once you sworn, you sworn and, and, and you obligated to help. And but they'll, it always happens since when I remember working the road, not only would the Bloomington Police Department help out, but let's say conservation was around. They will respond or let's say uh, IU Police Department where they will respond and uh, also uh, uh, excise if they're around, they'll respond. So it's one thing that I'm very proud of. If 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 the call for help goes out, they'll respond. Everybody will respond. Uh, not only uh, locally, but if there are officers that are surrounding the county, if they need to respond to this county, they will come as well, to include the state police as officers. Yes. Yeah. And is it still the case that, um, um, okay, locales such as Ellettsville get protection from the sheriff's department. Yes. How far out do you go? Do you, might you go to, to Spencer or, or how far is how far? I mean, well, we, we, we cover the entire county. The sheriff's department does. Um, but for example, if there's an emergency and, and I'm just uh, saying uh, county, let's say Bryan County, for sake, yeah. it's right next to us. You know, if they call for help and we're, right, if we're available, absolutely. You know, because, you know, the state police it, it, it does that right now. But they do it for the statewide. Uh, but there are counties, you know, that if we're, the, your neighbor county, if they need help and, and we're there, we're active, and 
that will go to help as well, you know, so because we will want the same thing in return for us if we need a major emergency that they that we call them and and they, they would they would help. So Nicole, I'm I'm curious, how many election cycles have you overseen at this point in your career as county clerk? Oh my goodness. Um that's that many, question. huh? <laughs> that many. Um we have I started in 2016, taking over from my predecessor. Two weeks after I was caucused in, I oversaw my first presidential election. Um and so every year we have an except election except the year after a presidential. So in the six years that I've been clerk, there's only been two years that I didn't have to oversee an election. And what are some of the um, major changes or, or, or policies uh, that, that you've implemented to improve the process? Well, it's all it, that's an ongoing thing. Uh, statutes change, um, you know, things change, and, and you have to adapt. Um, first, having just the team of people that I do, and our incredible people who come year after year and are willing to continue to serve that continuity, that familiarity. I, my hope is that that makes it easier, and we just want everyone who is exercising their right to vote, to have a pleasant experience. All things come together to make that an easy, pleasant opportunity for you to exercise your right to vote. And so we attend administration conferences, we have voter education, we have poll worker training. You may occasionally see media connected to the clerk's office. Uh, for this election, I had a television commercial a radio commercial, digital media, and we work with other organizations and the candidates themselves to get the word out. There is no one that I know who couldn't have been aware that we had the election in the election in Monroe mm -hmm. County that elected the first sheriff of color. And I'm very proud to have been associated with that. Clarence, did you know that Ruben won with 60% of the vote? I did not know that. So Ruben, what, what do you me. think, right? What, what do you think, uh, where do you think you made uh, uh, the most impact? What, what did you do during the campaign that had the most effect? Well, I, I, I'm gonna start with the beginning. I had, I, I had a phenomenal first campaign manager. I'll say that, it happens to be William Mosea. And, All the way uh, down from South Carolina, that yeah, William? He, he even helped them down there. Wow. <laughs> uh, it, we, we were still in Bloomington when we started now. I, yeah, know, no, I, know, it, I know, But our it, listeners, our listeners, it, know. So, and we didn't leave with a disclosure on that either, but I'm glad it now has come out in the open. So, Yes, yes. So I say that to say this, you know, I, I was very blessed to start from the beginning. You know, I had other people advising me before William jumped on board, but when he did, oh my goodness. It took off like a rocket. And uh, uh, when he moved then you know, the time was passed to uh, to Lindsey Smith and did a phenomenal job. And then, you know, uh, William graciously helped from a distance, uh, but help he did. And then uh, uh, one of my competitors, Andrew Purdy, she she joined the team as well. 
And that full circle uh, and the entire team, you know, grew from there and everyone had a responsibility, you know, and it was a phenomenal team that got me here where I'm at right now, because I could tell you canvassing twice a week. Oof, that, that was that. That way, William can tell you a story of uh, he and I <laughs> <laughs> to Barry's house. He's laughing already, trying to get something on your time. And my job, and I said, I'm not embarrassed to say that my job was to count 20 yard signs. Now, William already counted his, the, the, the wires that you put them in the ground. And I, I tell you what, I think it was number 12. 11. 11. 11. I, I counted one, two, three, all the way up to 11. And I kept saying 11. I, my brain couldn't get to 12. And William walks up to me and looks at me. <laughs> He looks up. Oh. He said, "Twelve." <laughs> it was that old drilling, that old drill instructor. In it. I'm laughing now, but oh my God, was, the point I'm trying to make is my body was shutting down as I was yeah. so hard. Yeah. But uh, yeah, William is my witness that did happen. But uh, uh, it paid off at the end. You know, yeah. I, I forgot who it was that told me. And in fact, I think it was Nicole that told me this. He said. Uh, you know you're doing good if you're tired. Now, if you're not tired, you're not doing everything you're supposed to do. And that stuck with me as well. So Coach uh, one of the things, too, that a lot of people don't know, before I decided that years ago, when I, I I sat down and talked to Nicole more than once, and she guided me and and, and pushed me in the right direction because I was having doubts. I really was. And uh, uh, her her kind words got me there. And, you know, uh, she 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 was kind, but she 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 was pushing the right direction. I say it like that. You know, I didn't realize how she was doing it, but she she got me there. You know, so so uh, I'm very honored, very blessed, very humble to have people around me that that got me to this position. All right. Um, I got to ask you, you said you canvassed and, you know, in some respects, that may be a lost art with some candidates, but canvas means you go door to door, neighborhood, neighborhood and strategic at first. But then the goal is to try to reach as many as you can. Um, what interesting things did you hear or what affirming things? And then what kind of like way out there things like, hey, I got a box of tickets. I want you to take care of that type of thing. But what what affirming things did you hear going door to door? I tell you what I find interesting that people said it multiple times and I, I, I kind of got embarrassed a little bit, you know, first of all, they would look at me and say, Oh goodness. You could tell what they think it was a person of color in front of me running for sheriff. And then they would just say, say, you know what? It's about time. We have somebody of color running for sheriff and you got my vote. I mean, just like that. Uh, I can't tell you many people will say that to me. And it, at first it shocked me. I, I, because I wasn't even thinking of that, you know, that wasn't, that's not my, what my, my head was. My, I'm thinking I, I need to get my name out there and, you know, uh, and when is that if I can, you know, but I can't hey, Ruben, it's important that we let them know all of that happened after we passed the lawn jockey in that person's front yard. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> You're right. I forgot about that. Oh, God. William and I were, were, boy, we were canvassing and yeah, we, we did see one. And uh, oh boy, I, that took the energy out of me. And then we came around the corner and knocked on another lady's door and she. Oh, she just saw me and ran out and says, you, you're here. And I'm thinking, yeah, it's me. I'm here. <laughs> and, uh, so that put a little life back into it because it was right after seeing that, you know. 
a lawn jockey in blackface. And blackface. Wait, 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 wait. I, yeah. I want to hear. I want to hear a little bit more about this in the heat of the night moment uh, that you all had. Together. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking of Chief Gillespie, <laughs> and uh, they call me Mr. Tibbs. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> But <laughs> William is not lying. We saw that though. I'm oh, thinking, oh my no. Lord. <laughs> but, but you know what? You know what? Um, I think science would bear out or, or statisticians would say that the more one-on-one -on -one contact you make, it's going to resonate for a long, long time. The fact that you went and as they say, squeeze the flesh, you shook the hand and said, hey, I'm running for this office. I want your vote. And this is why. That stays with a person that stays and so when you go to that poll booth and you're looking at the names like well hey you know that guy yeah i shook his hand and he listened and he didn't make promises that i know he's not gonna probably even want to keep but he was fair and balanced so yeah he's gonna get my vote and i, I, I go ahead go ahead it, it, you're right because at the poll where i was standing several people walked up and said hey you uh, not only am i voting for you but i'm gonna have my family vote for you because you did knock on my door you did take the effort to talk to me uh, where others did not. So I appreciate that. Uh, multiple people said that to me, you know, and then, or, or they would look at me and says, I remember you and give me thumbs up. And, uh, so it was refreshing to hear that it was, it was one, uh, uh, really heartfelt, you know, because you could see it in their eyes and that they, they were proud to do what they would, you know, kept their words to, to vote for me. Well, okay. Okay. Let's be real. You had the most compelling poster that was out there. <laughs> I don't think there was a candidate out there that had something as compelling as vote Ruben Marte and, and just how that, that, uh, that portrait shot was taken. You're in full regalia, you know, and it's like, whoa, he's my sheriff, you know, and, and whoever orchestrated that, if that was William, then, then pay him double. I mean, just pay him double, but you got a lot of mileage and I, and I kept that yard poster and with okay. that, I put that down. And I could tell the cars were slowing down, checking out who is that distinguished guy. So... <laughs> your Honor, Your Honor, let the record reflect that William worked for free for that campaign. <laughs> and 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 I and I and I kind of sensed it. I, I I'm glad we got that out in the open. But, <laughs> no, but, but, but on that note, on that note, Nicole, what happens if a candidate cries foul? And they say, well, wait a minute, this other candidate I'm running against did X, Y, Z. And so what happens now, Miss Miss Clerk? <laughs> well, I am one of a three member election board. And so if you challenge a candidate, um, make allegations against the candidate, of, it, of course, depends on what the allegations are, but you certainly would not um, because criminal things would be turned all over to the police. But um, other things where you cry file, you bring it before the election board, you bring your evidence, your witnesses, and um, and we would address it accordingly. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I look at the national landscape again, and it, it, it gets ridiculous because uh, I'll just say, okay, um, Candidate Lake is already sowing seeds of uh, mistrust and, and fraud, and, and all the votes haven't been counted yet. Um, but that's at the national level because it's been ratcheted up by other voices and, mm -hmm. and that's a whole another two, three shows, mm -hmm. but at the yeah. local level where you really hope sensibility rules and, and, and just good nature, just, you know, being cordial, the whole bit that, that rules 
fortunately, hopefully, we we didn't have any of those. Hey, so and so is there? It's fraud. It's it's a miscount. Whatever. Uh, I even read where there was a race that was so close that it's sort of gone to recount. Is that the case? Um, it, it is possible that there could be a recount here in Monroe County. There is a race that is separated by, I believe, thirty-seven votes. Um, and so, until that happens, no action is taken until a recount someone files. You actually have to come into the clerk's office and file for a recount. Um, pay the money to file that court case or court case, and um, we anticipate receiving that paperwork, but we have not to date. Wow. But if if that has to happen, it is what has to happen, and we have the people to make that happen. And I heard something really interesting. Time quickly getting away from us. Um, I heard something interesting that anyone could potentially say, I want to recount, right? Or is there a threshold yep. that needs to be met before anyone could say, I want to recount? Anyone can ask. As it, you just have to be willing to pay. Whoever asks for the recount has to pay for it pay just a, a blanket fee or pay for the man and lady hours to do the counting or yes all and of other, it and other sundry fees that other sundry fees okay wow this has been interesting well, on that note folks we're gonna have to pump the brakes and bring this one to a close we did announce that jennifer crossley would be joining us uh, unfortunately she had a uh, family emergency she had to deal with so that just means we'll get her on for a uh, subsequent interview so we want to thank Monroe County Clerk Nicole Brown and Monroe County Sheriff-elect Ruben Marte for joining us to recap their respective county races. Bring It On has an open submission policy, so if you have an idea for this program, let's hear it. Send an email to our volunteer staff. The address is bringiton at wfhb.org, and we want to make sure we share everything and anything affecting the African-American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. The email address, once again, is bringiton at wfhb.org. Bring It On's executive producer is Clarence Boone. Tonight's assistant producer is yours truly, William Hosea. Show consultant and WFHB News Department director is Cade Young. Program engineer is Chantal LaFontante. Original theme music was created by Jamil Effian with additional background tracks by David Baker. For WFHB, I'm William Hosea. And I'm Clarence Boone. Be sure to tune in next Monday at 6 for another edition of Bring It On right here on your community radio station, WFHB. You've been listening to Bring It On, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.